Since God is all-knowing and exists out of time, we know He already has chosen those who He wants to send to heaven and hell. So today, we're going to go over five ways that you can know if God selected you as a hell dweller or if He meant you for Saints Row in heaven. You're listening to The Bible After Hours. Can you hear me? Is this thing on? Okay, good. I am the foul-mouthed preacher, and this is the underground church. The word vulgar originally just meant to speak the common language of the people. That's what I'm going to do today. It's not about seeing how many curse words I can say. It's just about talking like a normal person. So if you have children around, I recommend you, you pause this, get them to leave, whatever you got to do. I'm going to get a little raunchy sometimes. The church above wants you to believe that your worth is tied to your actions. Of course, again, not every church. It's a generalization. They want you to believe that your worth is tied to what you do. Even though they're going to say, you can't be saved by actions, you're only saved by grace, they're still going to give you a list of things you got to go through. If you're a Christian, this is all the list of the things Christians do, and here's a list of things that Christians can't do. And it's going to really make you kind of feel like you're less of a Christian if you don't do the list exactly the way they give it to you. And of course, it's not a literal physical list, but if you've been to a church, you know what I'm talking about. Worse than that, the world above is filled with people who want you to compare yourself to others. Now, this is outside the church, even. You know, how pretty are the models? How righteous are the pastors? And how smart are the scientists? Too often, people who don't fall into certain categories like these and others, are they're made to feel less than. Whether it's by, you know, intentionally or not, like, like people feel less than if they're not a pastor, you know, important in the church, or if they're not a businessman with lots of money, if they're not a supermodel of some sort. Like, the things we value are the things that we value. And we hold certain people up so high that we make the normal people feel like they don't matter. Believe it or not, I, I really was never the smartest kid growing up. Yeah, I know. I'm still fucking dumb. I, I was never hot. I wasn't really you know, handsome. I wasn't cool. I basically was just a nobody in school. Um, I wasn't even made fun of or anything. Like, I, I just kind of existed. You know, I'm a little smarter now. I still don't look any better. I'm certainly no, I'm, I'm no fucking saint. For some reason beyond me, a church did decide that they should ordain me, but I don't know. Why should you listen to me then? Why should you listen to just a nobody? And it's exactly because of that. It's exactly because I know what it's like to feel like a nobody, to be a nobody. There's nothing impressive about me, but I found my self-worth. I found who I am in God. God has chosen to love me. God has filled me with purpose. God has filled me with favor and even some self-worth. And he's just poured down blessings and love upon me. And, I, you know, I'm not one of those who's like, oh, you know, if you just believe in God, everything's going to be happy. Of course, I still go through shit. But God of the universe loves me. I feel love. I am in relationship with God. And I'm really just a nobody. But also... I'm not just a nobody because the God of the universe lives in me and cares for me and acts through me. So in that way, I get to be part of the divine as a nobody. And you can too. That was the episode today. I'm just kidding, guys. I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to do that shit today. I believe, though, there are a lot of people who are listening who might need, just need that message. Maybe you're struggling with your image. Maybe you're struggling with your identity, your worth. Worse yet... Maybe you're really just not sure if God loves you, if he's chosen you, or if he hears you at all. Maybe you fell out with the church because of church hurt or because 
you question things that they are teaching or now you, whatever. Maybe now you're left a faith community and you're just not sure if God even cares anymore. If any of these sound like you or if it sounds like something you're dealing with or going through, then I think the worst story ever written, seriously, the worst, like it's just, it's fucking dumb. But I think this story might be just what you need. It's the story of Jonah. I really, really, really fucking hate this story. It was just so poorly written. Why do I think Jonah is a terribly written story, you might ask? Well, there's a few reasons. It has a very flimsy plot. The characters are pretty one-dimensional. And the story doesn't even really have an ending. Yeah, it's that fucking dumb that no one even seems to notice. What little anticipation the author does give, like he builds up a little bit and he just doesn't reward it, doesn't deliver at all. It's fucking dumb. Obviously, I don't think that this is a historical account. I don't think Jonah is a historical story because if it is, I, I don't I don't even want to go there. And, you know, we, we've all kind of heard the children's church version, right? Uh, guy named Jonah, he's a prophet, does some God stuff, so maybe he's sort of like a pastor. God's like, hey, go to Nineveh, tell them, tell them uh, I want them to repent, and then I'm going to show mercy. And Jonah's like, what the fuck, God? No. I can't show mercy to those guys. They fucking suck. And God's like, well, okay, well, uh, go do it. I show mercy on who I'm going to show mercy, Jonah. And Jonah tries to run away, tries to escape, uh, ends up on a different boat. There's a huge storm. And tells everybody, oh, you know what? It's actually my fault. God's kind of pissed at me. I throw him overboard. He gets swallowed by a giant fucking fish. Um, and, you know, he's like, oh, you know, maybe I'm sorry. God gets spit up. Goes to Nineveh. Tells him the story. Hooray! They repent. The end. Except for that's not actually the end. Children Church likes to end it there. Maybe they'll go a little bit further. But they, they really typically don't tell you exactly how the story goes. And I think it's because secretly every children's minister out there knows that this is a fucking dumb story. So he goes there. He tells them all to repent. They start repenting. He climbs a hill and waits for them to die. And he's waiting for them to not truly be repentant and for God to really get them. The guy's not actually going to show them mercy. He's going he's to meet these guys. He sits up there so long waiting for their sin to overtake them and God to punish them that an entire fucking tree grows up. Do you have any idea how long it takes a tree to grow? Long enough to provide you shade? He sits there waiting for these people to be punished because God can't show mercy to them. They're awful. They're stupid. I hate them. Literally, he just had that much hate in his heart. And it, it just, the, the, whole, the whole story pisses me off, but the author, really, he couldn't find, like, this is, it's a really one-dimensional character. Jonah just ha hates Nineveh. That's pretty much his whole character. He hates Nineveh, doesn't want to go. Even when he finally does go, he hates Nineveh, doesn't want to be there. Very one-dimensional character. And rather than having other characters or a good plot device that gets him there, the author literally just has a big fish move him. That's just such a cop-out. Like, it's just so stupid. They hint that maybe there was some character progression in the fish. But, like I said, you know, he gets there and he climbs that hill. He's still waiting on God to punish them. So, clearly, there wasn't actually any character progression. Turns out, Jonah doesn't change at all. He just said sorry so he could get spit out. Also, it was a flimsy, flimsy apology that he clearly didn't mean. Is God stupid in this story? Did God just not know that Jonah didn't really mean it? Or did God not care if he was sorry? In which case, why did God put him through that? Why wouldn't God just immediately have him transported by the fish? God doesn't even make sense in the story. It's fucking dumb. God's not that stupid. God's not that, you know, and also, you know, there's the whole parts of Jesus in the New Testament where he's like, oh, if you won't worship me, I'll send the rocks to it. Why didn't God send the fucking rocks to do it? That's his MO, right? No, 
He's going to force Jonah to do it, even though Jonah doesn't want to do it. He's going to use a fish. He's going to accept Jonah's fake apology, either because he's stupid or just because the writer couldn't come up with something. Like, it's a stupid fucking story. But yeah, he's up there. He's on this hill. Tree grows up, provides him shade. He's waiting on God to punish him. And God just doesn't do it. And he, he questions God. He's like, why, God, why aren't, when are you going to get him? Why won't you punish him? I hate these guys, God. Ah. Jonah, chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. God said to Jonah, do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? Oh, yeah. God, God kind of killed the tree that, that Jonah sat under until it grew up. He said, you know what? Hey, watch this. Fuck you. Killed the tree. Jonah's pissed at God because of it. Here's what Jonah says. I have good reason to be angry even to the point of death. Really, you, you have good reason to be mad about the tree that you've sat there and waited to grow because you got much hate in your heart. Whoa. He doesn't even give the good reason. The Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work, for which you did not cause to grow and perished overnight. Should I not also have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know the difference between their right hand and their left, as well as many animals. Guys, like, shouldn't I have compassion with these guys? They're fucking stupid. Just because you're that angry and hateful, then you're going to be mad that God killed the plant when you had nothing to do with the plant coming up in the first place. And God's like, hey, I made these people. Can't I have compassion on them? Look how stupid they are. Literally, they can't turn the left hand from the right. Like, it's literally God just wanted to throw out there that they're stupid. This writer's stupid. God, God wouldn't say that, I don't think. I don't think. I think, right. I think it's just bad writing. Also, that's how it ends. There's no response from Jonah. There's no what happened to the men of the next. There's no retort from God. There's no super command or, or wisdom at the end. It just ends with God asking this question. I should not have compassion on these guys. They're idiots. The end. Stupid. Fucking stupid. Just ends with a petty argument and an open-ended question. And is God really just showing compassion because the Ninevites are dumb? Or, hear me out, was this awful story a challenge to the other biblical narratives? There are plenty of biblical narratives of God punishing people for sin or doing, you know, whatever. The Bible repeatedly says Israel is God's chosen people, right? That this is God's people. Other people aren't, right? A lot of predestination and elect language kind of gets used specifically around Israel. You know, today it's TULIP, the, you know, the Calvinist argument of, um, I, forget, I forget what they all stand for, but um, total depravity, you know, unconditional atonement, um, no, unconditional something, I don't know, limited atonement, irresistible grace, preservation of the saints. And it's this idea that basically God's chosen the people he's going to, that are elect, the unconditionally elect, there we go. There's no conditions. He just chooses the people. He's like, ah, oh, these are the people I'm going to love because all humans are evil. God just chose some people. He loves them. It's irresistible grace. He loves them so much so that they're, they have to come to him and God will never let them fall out of grace. I think it's a really stupid argument. I know, I know there's a lot of places in the Bible that kind of support some of this, but it's like, ah, guys, come on. Jonah here seems to be kind of the opposite of this. Because, you know, God, Israel repeatedly told that there's God's chosen people, that they're the irresistible grace, all this stuff. But instead, God says, you know what, Jonah, go over there. Let me show you. It's not just the Israelites I love. I love everyone. That's the entire point of the story. It's challenging this idea of the elect that's in other parts of the Bible. It's challenging this idea of predestination where the only Israel is God's people. And instead, it's saying God can show mercy on whom he wants to show mercy. And I am incredibly blessed and thankful for that. 
story of Jonah, shitty as it might be, is one that disproves the limits of God's favor and grace. There is no limit. God doesn't just love a certain elect or anything like that. That That's just, no. This book here, the book of Jonah, wrestles with Israel's racism. It thinks that we are the elect. Our race is the best one. Ninevites, that whole ethnic group, they don't count. God's favor only exists for us. But maybe God's chosen everyone who repents. That's the point of the book of Jonah. God's elect is anyone who will humble themselves and repent before him. All who realize that they have a need of God and his love. Maybe God's love is for all those who realize that they're just nobodies like me. Maybe when we come, we become vulnerable before God and admit that we're not worth it. That's when God shows his favor and he gives us worth. Maybe none of us have any worth apart from God and all of us have immense value in God. Nothing without him, everything in him. The problem the reformers faced is that their belief that the Bible is the only authority and must be taken at face value, it, it, it trapped them. Because there are plenty of scriptures that talk about God favoring people, having an elect. There are also plenty of verses that suggest we can lose salvation, though. That the state of God is no... That God is no respecter of person, the Bible says. That God has, has chosen, loved, and valued all of us. So what is it? Is there an elect? Has he loved all of us? Does whatever? That's why you have this argument of Calvinism and Arminianism. It's, it's free will, God loves everybody, or God has election. But maybe the point is to wrestle with this idea, to engage God in conversation through prayer, to humble yourself, realize there isn't a clear answer of elect or free Arminian or Calvinism. Maybe there just isn't a clear answer on purpose. We're supposed to humble ourselves. Interact with God's text. Engage in a relationship with the divine through the Bible, through the arguments made on both sides of this in the Bible, and through church tradition. Wrestle with God on, what is your faith? Or what does your elect mean? Do you, why, why did you show mercy on the Ninevites? Was it really because they're fucking stupid? God, who are you? What does your grace mean? What is, who do you love? What's going on? And then, and then when you really wrestle with God and you engage with the text and you engage in this relationship, you kind of find that all that matters is that God loves God loves. Romans 8, verses 29 through 32. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who? Is against us. He did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? And in this one section of verse, we see some are predestined, but then we also see he gave himself for us all. It's both. That makes no sense. Exactly. Wrestle with it. Question God. Engage in the text. Engage with the divine. Pray it out. Pray for forgiveness. Repent. We all have something that we did wrong. We all need forgiveness for something. Repent. We all need it. Humble yourself. Realize that whatever your side is, isn't completely right. Because the Bible doesn't really settle this one. Meditate on God and what his love for you really means. Wrestle with God. What does the Bible mean by predestination? 
as you wrestle with God and you ask him about election and you test the spirit, I believe what you're going to find. You're going to find that God has placed a call on your life, a specific call. He's going to place a value upon you. Doesn't mean you're going to get wealthy overnight, but you're going to feel that God values you. And that's way more important. He's going to be the one that provides you your worth. No money, no beauty, no intelligence. God loving you. That's where your worth is found. There is no self-worth available. It just doesn't make sense. It's like a battery that powers itself. We don't have that yet. We'll never have that in this case. You're going to feel love as long as you're honestly wrestling with God. If you're being honest with God and you're waiting on him to touch you, you will feel loved. Because God is love. Don't be like Jonah, who was never really honest with God. But instead, be like the Ninevites, who honestly and thoroughly, even though they're just stupid nobodies, apparently... They're, they're ignorant and they were sinners. They were stupid, but they humbled themselves. They wrestled with God. They wrestled with what the prophetic word meant to them, coming from someone who wasn't even being genuine about it. And they accepted their call in their life. They were given value by God and loved by God. Everyone has their value, their worth in God. God loves you, whoever you are. Guys, I don't want you to share this on your public social media account or anything like that. I might offend somebody, and that's not the per- that's not why I do this. It's not my purpose here. So I want you to share with one family or a friend who might benefit from hearing this and having a conversation about this, who might benefit from hearing that God loves them and that they do have value. Share it with one person who just needs to hear God loves you. Let's bring love back to the church. Let's bring acceptance back to the church. Let's bring the church back to the common people. Thank you for listening. This was an Anazao Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, go to the website in the description below. If you'd like to check out other shows like this, be sure to subscribe to the network.